Good morning once again, Connection Point Church. And once again, I say it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 Listen, if you're joining us online this morning, again, I just uh, reiterate what I said earlier. We, we miss you in person. We are praying for you and believing for healing in your body if you're, you're home with sickness. Um, but man, it's good to be in here. It's been a while since we've been able to say welcome to those joining us online and in person. Amen. It's great to be here together, isn't it? Have you ever noticed how our lives are a series of ups and downs? Anybody ever recognize that? Now, there are seasons in our lives where it seems it's just one long valley, though, doesn't it? Like it's never going to end. And I think we've kind of all experienced those times. But, but the truth is, our, our lives really are a constant series of, of peaks and valleys. One week, you can feel like you're on top of the world. And the very next week, it feels as if you're in the lowest of valleys. Can anyone relate to that? Well, this morning, we're going to begin a new series titled Valleys and peaks. It's a series that will we'll look at those times when we, we feel God's presence, as well as those times when we don't feel his presence. And, and notice I, I said feel, because his presence is there. Sometimes you don't notice it, or you don't feel it. And during this series, we're, we're going to look at the lives of some familiar uh, people who you're familiar with in, in the Bible. We're going to look at their experiences of of valleys and peaks. And as we examine their journey through through their valleys, I, I believe it will help us to navigate our own. See, you need to understand we all experience mountains and valleys. Even the greatest, the greatest within our faith, the greatest giants of our faith have also found themselves in the shadows of the mountains. Oftentimes, valleys come after some of our greatest mountaintop experiences. Now, this, um, this past nine months or so, I don't know, nine months, ten months, it all, all months seem to run together now. All days seem to run together. But over these last nine months or so, we've experienced some real valley times. In, in a day and an age where we have more ways to connect than any time in history, in some ways it feels like we've been more disconnected than ever. Social distancing and isolation, it, it turned 2020 into one long valley, didn't it? It seemed like it turned it into this valley that would never end. And while we may not be quite out of the COVID valley just yet, it seems like we can, can kind of see that there is an end to this. For our, for our church, the beginning uh, of 2020, last year, began as a nice steady climb up a mountain. We had just finished building out this space. We moved in. We, we were seeing new faces come in. And, and we were able to host some great events like we did back in March of last year, for, like we did with Rural Compassion. We were able to provide training on that, that day for, for churches and, and teach them how to meet needs in their local communities. We unloaded a tractor trailer worth supplies. Anyone remember that? 
We unloaded this tractor trailer, and then we loaded up those 20 churches with stuff from Convoy of Hope so they could take back into their communities and, and minister to, to their towns. That was on a Saturday. And the very next day, that Sunday, we celebrated all that God had done. It was a good day. But it was also the last Sunday we met in person for months to come. We ended up last year having Easter service online and not in person. And then we were several months not meeting together. In 2020, we, we were able to have some great times, but we also had some tough times as well. You know, we had Easter online and, and months online, and then we got back in here, and then by the end of the year, we were back online again. 2020 brought us a year of Easter service online and Christmas service online, both in the same year. We had some, some great mountaintop experiences last year, but we also had some, some real valleys. Mountaintops followed by moments of journeying through a valley. Can I tell you that was exactly the case for one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament? He had this incredible mountaintop experience to only be followed up with a journey through a valley. This morning, we're going to look at Elijah and his journey through a valley. If you got your Bible, you can go ahead and open, if you would, with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. But before we get there, before we get to chapter 19, you kind of got to know what happened prior to chapter 19 to fully understand and grasp what was going on in this chapter. So in the end of chapter 16, we're introduced to a new king, King Ahab, king of Israel. This new king takes on a, a wife, which you may have heard of before, Jezebel. He, he marries Jezebel, and then he adopts her religion, and, and he begins worshiping Baal with her. He even goes throughout the land and sets up new, new altars to Baal. And we are told in 1 Kings that Ahab did more to anger God than all the kings that were before him. Can I just tell you, that's saying something right there. And throughout the Old Testament, we see this repeat itself over and over again. As, as kings and as the people of Israel would sin against God, he would often send a prophet. He would send a prophet to, to, uh, to speak and warn them of, of God's anger and, and his um, coming judgment. So in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, we see God sending Elijah to Ahab. And, and he has him tell this king, listen, there's a drought coming. I'm, I'm going to speak that there is going to be no rain and there will be no more rain in the land until I say there's going to be rain. And Elijah, he leaves after saying this to the king. And he goes and he, he finds himself by this brook. And every day, God sends a raven to him to feed him. But it hasn't rained. So eventually, this brook where he's, he's sitting next to dries up. And, and God sends him to this widow. And this widow, who has nothing, feeds him. And, and God provides miraculously through this widow. And he's there, and she continues to provide for him day in, day out until God speaks to him once again, and he says, it's time now to go back and speak to the king. It's been three and a half years 
So from uh, chapter 17 and 18 coming into chapter 19, three and a half years go by. A drought is in the land. And Elijah, through Obadiah the prophet, tells him, listen, I need you to gather all the people of Israel, all the prophets of Baal, all the prophets of Asherah, and have them come out before me here at Mount Carmel. And the king does it. He does just that. The people of Israel are there. Elijah speaks to them. And he's like, how long are you going to falter? How long are you going to falter between two opinions? If God is God, if the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. And the people say nothing. So, so Elijah, he's like, bring me two bulls. And he gives one to the prophets of Baal. He keeps one for himself. And so he tells the prophets of Baal, prepare your bull, I'll prepare mine, and the God who answers by fire, that God is the God. So the prophets of Baal, they go about, they prepare their altar, they prepare the bull, they put him out there, and they begin calling upon Baal. This goes on for a while, and this is one of the biggest trash-talking moments in history. I mean... Elijah is there, and he's literally mocking the prophets of Baal. He, he's like, is he taking a nap? I mean, read this. It's in your Bible. He's like, listen, did, did he go on vacation? I mean, he just goes on and on, and, and he's trash-talking him. And this is going on for hours, and the, the prophets of Baal, they begin cutting themselves and bleeding and, and calling out to Baal, and guess what? Baal ain't a real live God. So Baal doesn't answer. And then he calls on the people of Israel and said, listen, get me some water. We can prepare this altar. He builds his altar. He has them dig a trench around the altar. He doesn't make his job any easier to consume this uh, bull because at this moment he starts pulling, uh, pouring water on top of the altar, on top of the sacrifice, on top of the wood, filling this trench around with water. And then what does he do? He calls on God. And what does God do? He ain't on vacation. He ain't taking a nap. He calls upon God, and God sends a fire that not only consumes the sacrifice, but also all the water that surrounds it as well. And Elijah ain't trash-talking anymore. He's like, gather up the prophets of Baal. Kill them all. And that's exactly what he did. Then he prays. And he asks that God would send the rain. And God sends the rain. So everything happened just as Elijah had said it would. God brings him this incredible, huge, victorious moment on the mountaintop. It's very evident that that Elijah was on the side of God, and God was with him. He ex literally experienced a mountaintop moment, right? And then, chapter 19. So that's where we're at. This is what's happened, and now we open up chapter 19, beginning in verse number 1, and it says this. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, little g gods, 
Let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. So Elijah had just experienced one of the greatest moments in his ministry. He had defeated the enemies of God. He stood up against the king who was sinning. He showed that God was the true God. Yet even after that, the king and his wife, Jezebel, did not repent. And instead, the queen issues this death threat against Elijah. Now Elijah had just stood up to them. He was shown to be victorious. But here in chapter 19, after just having this incredible victory, what does it say he did after hearing of the threat? It's right there in verse number 3. And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. Jezebel and her prophets, they could not bring rain. Three and a half years, the land had been barren, no rain, not a drop of it. Her prophets could not bring the fire. Baal could not save his prophets from the hand of Elijah. Elijah's God answered with both fire and with rain. And yet it says, and Elijah arose and ran for his life. Elijah had just spent three and a half years away. He comes back to this incredible, incredible showdown on Mount Carmel. After he calls for the rain, he runs ahead, and I think they, they, they believe it's like 17 miles he runs. At, at this point, he's got to be exhausted, right? I mean, he just had this incredible all-day battle where he had, was trash-talking and, and all of that. God brings victory. He runs this long way. He had to be exhausted. He had given everything he had to give. You know that depression, despair, anxiety come more often than not in times when we're utterly exhausted. We succumb to these feelings when we begin to worry about things that might happen. Our mind is often our greatest enemy. The space between our ears becomes this incredible, huge battlefield. And over these last weeks and these last months, many people have dealt with corona either uh, personally or with someone very close to them. And the thoughts in our head often become the greatest challenge. 
Elijah became fearful of what might happen. He had lost sight of how God had been faithful time and time again. Did, did, did Elijah forget about how God had fed him with the ravens each day by the brook? Did, did he forget how, how God provided for him during a famine for years, year after year, day after day, by the hand of a widow who had absolutely nothing? Did he forget how God had used him to raise up the widow's son from the dead? Did he forget, forgot, forget how God answered by fire? How he delivered the prophets of Baal into his hands? Did he forget how God answered by rain? Time and time again, God had provided yet in a moment of what had to be complete exhaustion. Elijah responds with fear and he runs away. It says he went to Beersheba. He leaves his servant there, and then what does it say next? It says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Notice what he did. He left his servant behind, and he himself went a day's journey, leaving his servant, who was a fellow believer, and he goes by himself off into the wilderness. Now, now this wasn't a God-directed moment to get away, to get alone, and, and pray. This was a, I'm fearful, I'm done, I'm withdrawing from everyone and isolating myself moment. How many times when we start to feel depression, fear, anxiety, do we do the exact same thing? Have you ever noticed when things seem to be at their, dar their darkest, it's often in times of isolation? Elijah goes away by himself. He's there all alone. And what does he do? He prays that God will end his life. How ironic is that? He just ran for his life. He, uh, he's running away so that he will live. He gets away. He stops and he prays God just end it. In isolation... We don't always do and say the wisest things, do we? That's what's been so horrible about this whole COVID thing. It's caused us to have to isolate ourselves. We've, we've had to withdraw from the, the people who, who we love and, and care about and, and those who love and care about us. Now, it hasn't been us running away in, in fear like Elijah, but the result has been the same nonetheless. We've experienced loneliness. We, we've experienced times of darkness. And we do things in those moments that don't necessarily line up with the truth of the Word of God. A few verses down here in chapter 19 and verse number 10, you'll, you'll read about Elijah uh, going off telling God about all that he has done. Not all about what God has done, but about what he, Elijah, has done. And, and, he's, and he's telling God, listen, I'm the only one. It's just me and nobody else. Hmm. Didn't he just leave his servant and go off by himself? He knows he's not the only one left. 
but he's, he's having a pity party here in this moment. Remember, our, our minds are often the largest battlefield we have. And, and, and these thoughts only get amplified when we are isolated and alone. Isolation is not good. Again, I'm not talking about moments of getting away with God and, and spending time alone with him. I'm talking about when we isolate ourselves, the enemy will use it as a tool. The enemy has wielded this COVID isolation like a huge broadside sword. I'm not saying we shouldn't have stopped meeting in person. I believe we used wisdom in doing what we've done. But what I'm saying is, as a body, we've got to be aware of this tool of the enemy. And we've got to do everything we can do to stay connected to one another. See, COVID hasn't just been an attack on our bodies. The, the COVID, this isolation that it has caused, has been an attack on our mind, and it's been an attack on our spirit as well. It's forced us into moments of isolation, and, and isolation and inexhaustion, the voice in our head can sound an awful lot like that one that Elijah had. We may even say things like him. We may see, say things like, listen, I've done everything right, God. Why me? In the darkness of night, in the moments when we're all alone, the whispers of the enemy come. I can tell you that was the experience in our home. During this time that we've dealt with, with COVID, Rachel was still going through her recovery from her surgery when COVID struck our house. She, she had got to the point where she thought she was able to get back to, to everyday living, recovering from surgery, only to be forced into isolation from COVID. Forced away from friends and family at Christmas time. And, and then nights would come, and with night, so would the voices. So would the whispers, the voices that go off in our head that say things like, you aren't going to make it. And her voice would say, I've done everything right. I've taken my vitamins. I've social distanced. I've wore my, my mask. I've done all I could do. Why has this come against me? And then it, the voice once again of, I'm not going to make it, would come along. The voice of, this is going to kill me, would come. And, and it would come as a loud clanging symbol in the otherwise silence of the night. And with that voice, the thoughts, the same thoughts of one of the greatest prophets of all time would rise up. Should I just give in? Lord, should you just bring me home? Elijah, there under that bush, completely exhausted, asking God, would you just end my life? So what happened? Verse number five. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, 
Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. He laid down and slept. I can't stress to you enough how important rest is. Rest for your body, rest for your mind, rest for your spirit. God did not institute the Sabbath because he needed a nap. He instituted the Sabbath because we need rest. We need rest so that we can carry out the work that he has set before us. But notice what else it says in this passage. It says God sends an angel, and it says the angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. God brought provision. He brought it through an angel as well as a touch and a word that he needed to hear. I'm going to tell you this, when you're, when you're going through a tough time, sometimes you need a touch. Sometimes you need a word. When we were going through our time of isolation with COVID, God used many of you, as I told you last week, he used many of you to bring provision in the form of food to us. And while we had to remain separated through a glass door, there was still a real touch of the body that was felt in that moment. A touch of the body that said, you're not forgotten, we're here for you. For Elijah, that came in the form of an angel, an angel that came to him, an angel that touched him and, and said, arise and eat. Sometimes we need someone to come alongside of us with a little encouragement. Sometimes we need a sandwich and a glass of water. And sometimes we need a little more direct talk. Sometimes we need someone to say, arise and eat. Sometimes we need someone to say, get up. I can tell you this, it was one during one of the darkest points of Rachel's experience with COVID that she got a call from her mom. I'll do my best to get this right. She can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Did I just hear she always does? <laughs> You said that like I've said something wrong in the past. <laughs> so Rachel tells me that on this phone conversation with her mom, her mom could sense that something wasn't right in her voice. Now let me ask you, how could it be that she could sense just through the phone something in her voice? It's because of years of conversations. The only way you're going to know or sense something is wrong in someone's voice or that it's off just a little bit is if you know their voice. Just a little side note here. You've got to spend time with people to get to know people. So she said to Rachel, she's like, I don't like what I'm hearing. I don't like how you sound. She's like, you cannot give up. You can't do this to me. She said, you can't do this to your husband. You can't do this to your kids. She said, baby girl, I'm going to need you to fight. you got to be strong. You may not feel like it, but you got to keep pushing. Just like God sent the angel to bring nourishment and the word arise and eat to Elijah, I believe without a doubt that God used her mom in that moment to speak life-giving words that she desperately needed to hear. 
And it was that moment that a shift happened. It was that conversation that a turn for the better began. It was her mom speaking into her life with care and direct words that said, I'm going to need you to be strong. I'm going to need you to push through. That pushed past the other voices that were strong in her head. So what happened to Elijah? He ate. He drank. He rested. He ate and drank again. And then he got up and went. Elijah had come to a place where he believed his ministry was over. But if you read on down in this chapter, you'll see that Elijah goes out and he, he calls on to, uh, to God again. And, and God comes to him in a small voice. Remember the story? Can I, can I tell you sometimes God will provide for you in the form of a raven? Sometimes... He may provide in the form of a widow. Sometimes it may actually be an angel that he sends to touch you and to speak with you. Sometimes it may be in, in a small whisper of a voice. Sometimes maybe it's on the other end of a phone. But know this, he has never abandoned you. He has never forgot about you. Oh, we want that mountaintop experience, that fire coming down from heaven, day in and day out. But I'm here to tell you, it ain't always a mountaintop. Sometimes you got to journey through the valley. And you got to know this. Sometimes God doesn't answer with fire. Sometimes it comes in the form of a rain. Sometimes it's in a whisper. I'm here to tell you today that I know that Rachel believes without a doubt that God used her mom to speak to her in that moment exactly what she needed to hear. That's why it's so important we are connected with people. So we know their voice when we hear it's not just right. That's why we got to be in continual contact with God so we can hear his voice when he says, Go drop off some food for someone. Pick up the phone and call someone. Send a text to someone. And when the law allows it, hug someone. So let me ask you this morning, who's God asking you to speak to? Who's he wanting you to provide for today? Who needs you to come alongside of them and say, arise and eat? Elijah had come to a place where he felt his ministry was over. But understand this, God's, God was not done. God was not done with him. If you continue reading down into chapter 19, you'll see God commanding Elijah to go and anoint the next king of Israel. To go and anoint the next king of Judah to go and anoint Elisha, the one that would become his successor, the one that would do twice as many miracles as him. If you're feeling today like you're done, if you're feeling like God had abandoned you, if you're feeling all alone, I'm here to tell you today, arise and eat. Arise and eat. Feed on the word of God. He's not done with you. Arise and eat. He has more for you to do. 
Arise and eat. Push on through. I'm here to tell you this morning, gentlemen, baby boys, arise and eat. Don't you dare give up. Keep fighting. Keep declaring the word of God. Allow his praise to be upon your lips. He is faithful. It doesn't matter if you're beside a brook or in a cave. He will not abandon you. Ladies, if you're struggling this morning, I'm here to say, baby girl, I'm going to need you to fight. I'm going to need you to not give up. I'm going to need you to keep on pushing through. There's a generation of people depending on you. There's a world that needs to hear your testimony of how God brought you through. You don't walk through the valley. There's no testimony of how he brought you through the valley. The world needs your story. The world needs to hear about the living God. The God who answers by fire. The God who answers with rain. The God that never abandons you. The God that always provides. Amen. So this morning, if you're feeling isolated and alone, if you need a touch, I want to pray for you today. Can we pray this morning? Let's pray. Oh, God, we thank you today that you never leave us or forsake us. Well, God, that you see us in our moment of need, that you see us when we're all alone. And Lord God, we are thankful today for people who are sensitive to your voice, who will reach out and touch us when we need it the most. This morning, if, if you're struggling today, if, if you're in that moment of despair, if, if you're feeling all alone, if you need a touch from God, if that's you this morning, would you just slip up your hand right where you're at? 